Now we are in our uh, Christmas Advent series. And if you're uh, new to to church world, maybe new to the faith world, uh, Advent is just a word that means uh, coming or arrival. And so what we're doing in December, the month of December, is we're celebrating all that Jesus brought for us in his first coming, his first arrival, his first Advent. But we're also anticipating as believers his second Advent, his second coming, right? When he will come and he will restore all that's been broken in the universe around us. And so last week we looked at the Advent theme of hope. And this week we're looking at the Advent theme of peace. You can see that the peace candle, the second candle um, has already uh, been lit. Now, peace, I don't know what you think about when you hear that word. What comes into your mind when you hear the word peace? Maybe you think about John Lennon holding up the, the peace sign, or maybe you think about Uh, something else. It's such a simple word, isn't it? And yet it's so loaded with with meaning. And and, and if we're being honest, I think it's something that almost feels like it's outside of our grasp, right? In this broken world that's so full of pain and anger and disappointment and sadness. And yet I think we would all have to admit that it's, it's really inescapable that we all long for this peace in our hearts. I mean, all you gotta do is look at the world around us, think about every politician ever uh, all over the world, what do they run on? One of, one of the platforms that almost every politician ever runs on is, is peace, right? Vote for me, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna fix all your problems, all the chaos, I'm gonna quell all that, I'm gonna fix things and things will be peaceful if you will just vote for me. The most famous prize in the world is called the Nobel what? Peace Prize, right? Every uh, beauty pageant contestant ever, when they do their little speech at the end of the deal, what do they talk about? World peace for some strange reason, right? Like, what are you gonna fit? You're in a two-piece bathing suit. What are you, you're gonna usher in world peace, right? But, but everybody, talk, everybody talks about it, man. We're in some way, we're all chasing peace. But the reality is for most of us, especially now around Christmas season, our, our lives look a lot more like chasing chaos than peace. As we frantically run from one Christmas event to uh, another maybe uh, office Christmas party to a a school play for our kids or our grandkids to, you know, family obligations that we have. Maybe we forgot to get a Christmas present for somebody. So we're getting online kind of last minute ordering Christmas presents. We have to, at least some of us, we have to kind of emotionally prepare for the big family Christmas gathering where Uncle Larry shows up, the crazy uncle, and makes things awkward for everybody else. If your name is Larry, I apologize. There's a name that came into my mind. In fact, I had a guy after the nine o'clock come up to me and say, hey, my name's Larry. I said, man, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so sorry. Just a name that came to my mind. I'm sure if your name is Larry, you're not crazy. But listen, we, we all have these crazy experiences where we just kind of feel out of control. Things feel kind of chaotic maybe in general in your life, but especially during this season. And so the question is, man, how do we, how do we find peace in these circumstances? And, and is it even possible to truly attain peace living the life that we live uh, today in 2021? Now, let me just go ahead and give you the outline for the message. Here it is, the, the what behind peace, the why, the how, right? So what is peace? Why is it that so many people around the world seem to be pursuing this elusive thing and then how do, we, how do we find it? How do we find peace? And then I'll give you a couple applications. We'll sing and we'll be done. So what is peace? What is peace? 
Cambridge Online Dictionary defines peace like this. Peace is calm, quiet, and freedom from worry or annoyance. Kind of like that. All right. Other sources that I found online define peace very simply as the absence of conflict. I would just say, yes and amen. Those are forms of peace. I would say those things are all just circumstantial peace, which is, which is not a bad thing, certainly. For those of you who are perhaps parents of little kids, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is the kind of peace you get after a super long day where you, you, know, you got you know, macaroni and cheese plastered in your hair and you've been cleaning up you know, spilled Cheerios and milk and the dog puked on the couch. You need to clean that up, man. You finally, at the end of an exhausting day, run into the bathroom, slam it closed and lock the door for five minutes of uninterrupted peace as your toddler tried to beat down the door, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Or maybe you just kind of remember what those days were like. And, and maybe for you, your experience, you maybe relate to this a little bit more. For, for my family and I, we go to the beach uh, for a week once a year. We, oh man, we look forward to that week all year long. And we typically go down to the South Carolina coast and, and you can just see if you relate to, the, to this experience. This is how it typically works for me. Maybe this is just a me problem, I don't know. But we go down there and for me, Monday and Tuesday, like the first two days, I'm, I'm really just trying to like, disconnect from the stress that I left, right? So I, my mind's still kind of on the emails and the meetings and everything I got going on. About Wednesday, I'm finally truly relaxed and I'm at peace, right? So Wednesday, I'm on the beach. And I'm like, man, life is good. The Lord is good. Look at these waves. We're about to go eat some shrimp and some mahi-mahi. Man, life, life is good. You know, and, and, but by Thursday, by the next day, I'm thinking about, man, two days from now, we got to pack up the car and fight traffic to get home. And I got these emails to answer. I got this sermon series to plan. I got these counseling sessions. I got to get on the calendar. I got all these things. So we look forward to that week all year long. And I get like 12 hours a piece, right? And it's gone. For the next year, it is a, listen, it is a fleeting, temporary, passing form of peace. It is worldly peace. Now, listen, it's not, not knocking it. It's not bad peace. I'm thankful for that kind of peace. But I want you to hear this. This is not the kind of peace that will carry you through the chaos of this life. It simply will not. Now, the scriptures, thankfully, introduce us to a more comprehensive, a more holistic form of peace. We find it, we encounter it in the Old Testament for the first time, it's called shalom. Now, most of you guys have heard that word. Um, you probably associate it with the word peace or perhaps a greeting, but that word shalom in the Hebrew actually means so much more than peace. Listen to this. The actual meaning is this, wholeness, peace, safety, well-being, and completeness. Now, that's what I'm talking about. That's, that's what I want, man. That's not what I'm getting another 12 hours on the beach once a year. I, I need that. And you need that deep, comprehensive, holistic, peace of mind, kind of deep-seated peace. That's really what we're after more than a five-minute kind of blip when you slam the door and the toddlers are trying to rip it down or you got that one, one day on the beach, man, where before your, your, your checklist just kind of begins to take over your brain again and you lose that temporary peace. Now, here's the good news. This is what God wants for you. He wants this deeper rooted kind of never say die, not temporary, not super superficial kind of faith. This is what he wants for you. And the good news is this is actually what I, I believe Jesus wants to offer you this 
Christmas season. So, so that's the what. What is peace? It's deeper than the temporary thing that the world offers us. It's this shalom. It's this really holistic, deep kind of peace. Now, now let's, let's look at the why. Why is it that we all seem to be chasing this elusive kind of peace in our lives? Now, I would argue we have to go all the way back to the very beginning in the biblical narrative. So we got to go all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 to really understand this, right? Because you think about the narrative, God creates the first humans in the garden and all they know is shalom, perfect peace, perfect well-being, wholeness, no shame, no sin, no insecurity. That's why in Genesis chapter two, it says they were naked, Adam and Eve, they were naked and they were not ashamed. Now, is that just about physical nakedness? I don't think so. I think there, there's actually a deeper meaning, a deep, deeper metaphor that's at play here for these first human beings and their, their experience was a state of perfect peace and harmony with their creator, with God, with each other, and with the world, with the creation around them, right? No shame, no sin, no guilt, perfect shalom. Genesis one and two, but by the time we get to Genesis chapter three, we as human beings, we have messed it all up, haven't we? We've messed it, it didn't take us long to mess it up, right? We, the, our first parents, Adam and Eve, they, they choose sin, they choose rebellion over God. Sin enters into the equation. We lose our peace with God. We lose our peace with one another and human relationships and we even lose our inner peace with um, ourselves. It kind of, it just becomes like this rope of sand. We're trying to grasp this inner peace and it seems like as soon as we have a hold of it, it just kind of slips through our fingers. But we looked at this magnificent promise last week, right in the middle of Genesis chapter three, as humanity is facing the fall and they're experiencing darkness and de desperation, sin, hopelessness for the very first time, God whispers a promise of hope that he would one day send a savior to restore all that was lost in the garden all those years ago. And listen, for millennia, for hundreds, for thousands of years after that, people waited for this savior and they longed for him and they anticipated and they dreamed about the day that this promised savior in Genesis 3.15 would actually arrive and restore all that was lost in the garden. And we get a prophetic glimpse of this in Isaiah chapter nine. Laura Beth just read part of this to us. But if you have a Bible, let me encourage you, open it up, turn it on your device, go to Isaiah, that's in your Old Testament, Isaiah chapter nine. And as you go there, let me just give you a little context before we jump into the text. You gotta understand the people in Isaiah's day, they, they, they weren't like sitting on the beach in a five-star five uh, resort sipping margaritas. Like these, these people were under incredible oppression. Their, their nation at this time was falling apart. They had wicked rulers. They didn't know it, but they were about to be invaded by bloodthirsty kingdom after bloodthirsty kingdom, and they were gonna be made slaves. At this time, their own people, these are God's people, right? they, were, they were actually sacrificing their babies to idols and false gods. It was, it was a common practice, we know from the scriptures, that they were, they were communicating or trying to communicate with dead people through mediums. Sounds kind of like our culture today, doesn't it? These people were just desperate, man. They were desperate for hope. They were desperate for peace. And all they knew was chaos, death, and paralyzing fear. 
And so Isaiah, this, this godly man, this prophet of the Lord, steps onto the scene and he has a word for these people who are desperate, who are hopeless, who are grasping for peace but can't seem to find it. And he's got this incredible word for them and he's foretelling about this Messiah. And this prophecy, we know Isaiah wrote it about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Now this is astounding. Why don't you just listen to this? Isaiah 9. Starting in verse six, Isaiah writes this, for, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And what's the fourth one? Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government or his kingdom and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So Isaiah goes to these people who had lost their way and were in deep darkness. He says, listen guys, when this savior comes, one of the defining marks of this king and his kingdom will be peace. In fact, one of his names will be Shar Shalom, right? The Hebrew word for prince of peace. Now Luke chapter two, when the angel makes the announcement of the arrival, the first advent of Jesus to those shepherds in the field, what does the angel say to them? If you have your Bible already open, you can go ahead and go to Luke chapter two. If not, that's, that's okay. This will be on the screens for you. But watch this announcement from the angels. This is what it says in Luke two. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, watch this, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. So the angels show up. Undoubtedly, the shepherds are freaking out just a little bit. And the angel's like, hey, listen, guys, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I've actually got good news to you. The, the Savior is here and he's gonna bring peace to those with whom he is well pleased. Even in the birth announcement, the angels are going, hey guys, this is the one. This, this is the one that you've been waiting on for hundreds, for thousands of years. The peacemaker has arrived. You know that ache that you've had in the garden since you lost that connection with your creator, right? The Savior is here to restore that kind of peace with your creator. Now, it's interesting, notice that the angel doesn't say Jesus is bringing world or global peace right now. Did you notice that? He said he's bringing peace to those with whom he's well pleased, to his People, right? This is a peace with him, God, and a peace with one another. Now, the global peace aspect, we'll, we'll get that. That's the second advent. That's the second coming. But in the first advent, he came to bring a very specific kind of peace, and that's, that's peace between you and God, right? That, that shalom that was lost in the garden between Adam and Eve and their creator, Jesus came to restore that. Inner peace, vertical peace with God is now possible for the very first time since the fall in Genesis 3. And listen, guys, that is, that is really good news. That's good news for the shepherds 2,000 years ago. That's really good news for us now today in Asheville in 2021. Now, that may not seem like a huge deal to you until you realize that before Jesus saved you, listen to that, you, you were not a good person. Before Jesus saved you, you were not even a morally neutral person. 
In fact, the apostle Paul tells us in Romans five and six that before Jesus redeemed us, we were actually enemies of God. That's who we were. That we, we were actually alienated from our creator because of our sin and our rebellion. And isn't that, the, isn't that the uniqueness of the gospel of Jesus that unlike every other world religion and worldview that says, hey, listen, every religion basically says some version of, hey, here's a list of to-dos. Here's a list of things not to do. And if you do enough good things, maybe, just maybe you can climb the mountain and one day be accepted by God. And the gospel of Jesus says, you're never gonna get up the mountain. You can never climb the mountain by doing enough good things. And so when you had no way to get up the mountain, God came off the mountain to search and rescue you because he loved you so much. And even while you were still his enemy, he came looking for you. That's the beauty of the gospel. Now here's what I've come to learn as I've gotten older, as I've walked with Jesus for 20 years now, when we find that vertical peace with our creator, now the relational, the horizontal peace with other people is now possible. All right, because here's the reality. When Jesus washes away my sin and he washes away my guilt and my shame and my insecurities and he calls me his beloved son, now I'm free. I'm free to love other people. I'm free to forgive other people and pursue peace with others, even if they've wronged me. And so look, I'm just telling you, if you're here this morning, if you're watching online this morning and you want a better marriage, get to know the Prince of Peace. If you've got a busted up relationship with your parents, if you've got a jacked up relationship with your kids, I'm telling you the best way to resolve that conflict is to become more like Jesus. My wife and I, Cheryl, have been married for 18 years and the thing that I'm more keenly aware of as the months and the years go by is that my bride, Cheryl, doesn't need more of Chris Dillon. She needs more of Jesus through me. That's what will heal relationships. That, will, that is what will make relationships healthy and whole. It's learning how to abide in Jesus, receiving his peace so that we can give it to other people. Now this kind of vertical peace that we can achieve with God now because of the first advent of Jesus also leads to another kind of peace. It's what I would call peace of mind, our inner peace, right? And that's that thing that the world just seems to be chasing, right? And we try to find it in, in drugs or, or alcohol or sexual experiences or money or fame or TikTok followers or whatever it is. We try to fill that kind of like inner peace that we're all searching for, that peace of mind, right? And Jesus offers that to us. And so in the first advent, I think Jesus brings a kind of peace that can be enjoyed in three realms. If you take notes, just write this down. Jesus brings us peace in three realms. Spiritual peace, that's the connection between us and God. So we can now have peace with our creator. He brings us peace, relational peace. So that's horizontal peace with others. And then he also gives us inner peace, our peace of mind. Uh, just this past week, we're going through, as I know many of you guys are, the Advent book that, that we've been giving out in the lobby for the last uh, few weeks. And so we sit down for a few minutes um, before we put the kids in bed at night and we go through the Advent lesson. And, it, and it's been great the last couple of weeks just getting to do that as a, as a family. But uh, I think this was like Wednesday night or Thursday night. We got home late or something and it's like 10 o'clock, 10.30. And so we're doing this thing. Um, I, I'm tired, uh, they're tired. We're going through the Advent thing. 
And one of my daughters pulls out these, these two little baby dolls that had been gifted to her years ago from some friends that live somewhere uh, on, on another continent, right? And these are just kind of like hand-sewn baby dolls. And I'm tired, I'm not thinking. And I just say, man, those look like voodoo dolls. And my wife gives me, and husbands, you know what I'm talking about, the death stare, right? Like I'm about to murder you in your sleep. Like I, can, I cannot believe you just brought that up at 10.30 at night before we put our kids to bed. And my kids go, daddy, what's a voodoo doll? Right? <laughs> They're homeschooled, all right? <laughs> and, uh, so they, they, don't, they don't know what a voodoo doll is. And so I'm like, and Cheryl looks at me, she's like, uh-uh, don't, don't go there. I'm like, I'm just, I gotta give them like a simple explanation. So I just kind of go into a, a little bit of a thesis on black magic and how you can take needles and stick it. And, you know, so I, I kind of go into the explanation of what voodoo dolls are and their eyes are like as big as saucers. My wife is like, I'm gonna murder you after 18 years of marriage. And so um, I, I start to walk down the stairs and I say, guys, listen, don't, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. If you hear something running around outside your bedroom, just peek your head out, make sure the demons haven't possessed them. And, and it'll be all good, right? So I'm, I'm messing with them. Cheryl doesn't find it funny at all. And so she's like, you get up here. We're praying the blood of Jesus, the protection of Jesus over our children, over this house. And so I had robbed them of their inner peace, right? Right before we go to bed, talking about voodoo dolls. So I had to come up there and pray uh, Jesus' protection over my kids and over these voodoo dolls. They're not really voodoo dolls. And, 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 and I, rest- I was able to restore their peace by explaining to them that Jesus is far more powerful than any black magic, than any demons or anything like that. And once they understood that, they had that inner peace, they slept like babies. It was all good, crisis averted, right? Now Jesus brings us those forms of peace, inner peace, vertical peace and horizontal peace, right? So we've now covered the what, the why. Now let's cover the how, probably the most important part of this. How do we get this kind of deep, life-transforming shalom, peace in our hearts that Jesus brought in the first advent? So these will all be on the screens for you. I want to give you three steps to experiencing real peace. Number one, examine your new birth status. Examine your new birth status, right? So, so let, me, let me just ask you a question. If you had never been physically born into this physical world, would it be possible for you to have any physical experience in this physical world? The answer is absolutely not. We have to be physically born into a physical world to have any kind of physical experience in this physical world. Duh, I'm going somewhere with this, right? The same is true spiritually though. See, the reality is the scriptures teach us that we're all born spiritually dead. From the time that our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinned in the garden, we've all been born with what Bible scholars, what theologians call a sin nature. And all that simply means is that none of us, when we put our lives into neutral, none of us drift towards God. None of us drift towards holiness. We all drift when we put our lives into neutral towards selfishness and sin, right? If you've got a toddler, you know what I'm talking about. You didn't have to teach them how to lie or hit their brother or sister. They came out of the womb as little sinners. We're born spiritually dead. And only a spiritual birth can make us alive to a spiritual world. There's this fascinating story in John chapter three. This man, Nicodemus, he's a really religious man. He's a really wise man. And uh, he's a Pharisee. And he sneaks over to Jesus at, at night and he's, he's curious. He wants to ask Jesus about his kingdom. And so he, he, he's curious. And I, I'm, I'm just gonna guess there's probably some of you 
who are in that Nicodemus boat this morning, maybe online, maybe in the room, and you're just, you're, you're really not all in on the, the Jesus thing, but you're curious, right? There's, there's something about Jesus that's just kind of attractive, uh, kind of, you kind of find appealing. That's where Nicodemus was. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, hey, Nicodemus, listen, I know you're religious. I know you've, you've memorized the Old Testament. You, you got the Torah memorized, man. You go worship every Sabbath. You tithe 10%. You do all these things. But here's the thing, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again to see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus, this really wise, really religious man is a literal guy. Like many of you are literal. And so he's like, Jesus, that doesn't make sense. I'm I'm an old dude. How can I enter my mother's womb for a second time to be born again? And Jesus is like, no, Nicodemus, listen, you're you're missing it. You, You have to have a spiritual birth to experience a spiritual kingdom. You have to have a spiritual birth to experience a spiritual kingdom. So let me just say, if you're here the same way I think Jesus said to Nicodemus almost 2,000 years ago, listen, if you've never been born again through a dynamic relationship with your creator through Jesus Christ, I need you to understand this morning, that is your first step to finding real peace. You're never gonna be able to find real peace just by being a religious person or a good person or attending church or feeding homeless people at Thanksgiving at a local homeless shelter or whatever it is, you have to have a spiritual birth to experience a spiritual kingdom. That's step number one to finding this kind of deep-seated shalom, this kind of peace. Here's the second step that you have to take to experience real peace. Number two, pursue peace in the right place. We have to learn how to pursue peace in the right place. Now that sounds really obvious, but so many of us miss this. I can remember when Cheryl and I, a few years ago, we first got to New Life, we, we were invited over to, to dinner at some, some friend's house. And so we were, we were running kind of late. We, I knew that they lived across town. And as we were getting in the car, Cheryl said to me, why don't you, why don't you text him and make sure that we have the right address? And I said, babe, I'm the pastor, all right? Um, I have access to all the addresses. Like, I've already looked it up. I plugged it into GBS. I've got it, it's all good, just trust me. And so we were fighting traffic to get all the way across town and we, sure enough, we, we hit traffic, we're already running late, we pull up to the right address and it's like this gated community thing where you gotta hit a buzzer and like try to, I don't know, answer the phone or something like that. And so we're hitting the buzzer that should be them, but it's not them. They're like, oh, you got the wrong address. So I'm like, babe, will you just, will you call her? Like, I'm not, I'm not gonna call him. Will you, we just call her and see what the address is. So she calls her and she's like, yeah, that was our address like four years ago, you know? And so she gives us a new address and we plug in the new address and it's all the way on the other side of town. And so like an hour and 45 minutes after we left our home, we finally get there, right? And it was, it was awesome. And we had a great time, but we were so, I was so frustrated because I was, I, was, I was looking for the right thing, but I was looking for it in the wrong place. And why? Because I had bad directions. And, and I'm just gonna say, that's probably where some of you are in your life right now. I mean, you're looking for the right thing. You're looking for peace, but you've got bad directions. And so you're looking in the wrong place. And God's invitation for you this morning is to plug in the correct directions in your life's GPS so you can find what you're looking for in the right place. And I'm just telling you that right place is Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. 
Now, here's what I think happens far too often in the American church world and culture. Maybe some of you can relate to this. You become a follower of Jesus, either as a kid, a teen, maybe uh, older as as an adult. And you're under the impression, for whatever reason, that once you follow Jesus, you give your life to him, that the fruit of the Spirit is just a one-time download. Like, I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and it's right there, and then I should just never have any more problems. I should experience perfect peace in my life. I'm never going to have any more struggles. I'm never going to have any more sin in my life. And when that doesn't happen for you, you end up in a place of frustration. I've been there. I'm guessing maybe some of you are there right now and you're just frustrated because you get to that place and you thought that you were going to be further along the journey than you actually are and you begin to think one of three things. First of all, the first thing you may be thinking is uh, something's wrong with me, right? Nobody else seems to be struggling. Maybe something's wrong with me or you think maybe I'm not really saved. Maybe it didn't really take for me or the third thing you may be thinking in that position when you're really frustrated because you're not walking the way that you think that you should be walking is maybe this Jesus thing isn't really for real. Maybe this Jesus thing doesn't really work. And I want, I want you to hear me say this. Listen, following Jesus is not a one-time download. It's not a one-time download. Yes, you are, you are saved once. You give your life to Jesus He sends you his Holy Spirit. He puts the seal of the Spirit on you. You are saved for eternity. But listen to me, walking with Jesus in a transformational way is a daily lifetime pursuit. It it would be sort of like uh, if a person thought, man, uh, uh, the way for me to get in shape is to go to the gym once and to eat really healthy once a day, right? And so I'll wake up tomorrow I make myself like a kale smoothie, and then for lunch, I eat some nasty like boiled chicken and broccoli, and then for dinner, like a bowl of, I don't know, what's something healthy? Brussels sprouts or, or something like that. And I'm like, man, I'm gonna go to the gym. So I go to the gym, and I get on the treadmill, and I, I jog for like half a mile, then I do 10 push-ups, and I'm like, I'm gonna be shredded for the rest of my life. Is that how it works? No, some of you are like, man, I tried that. <laughs> that is not, that's not how it works. Physical health is a lifestyle. It's not a one-time thing. And spiritual health is the same way. It is learning this daily discipline, this daily pursuit of the presence of the one who is actually the source of peace. Now, if you were to say to me, hey, Chris, I, I'm a Christian, but, and, I, and I love Jesus, I've been following Jesus, but I have zero peace in my life. I have zero peace. I don't feel like I have peace with my creator. I don't have peace in the relationships around me. I don't have inner peace, my very first question to you would be, how much time are you spending with Jesus? How often are you getting alone with God, opening up the word, praying, sitting in silence, meditating, giving the Holy Spirit a chance to talk to you, maybe listening to some worship music, because here's the reality, guys, you need to understand this, you will never find peace apart from the true source of peace. It's impossible. You will never find peace apart from the true source of peace. Listen, guys, peace is not a philosophy. Peace is not a commodity. Peace is not an experience. Peace is a person. If you want it, you've got to get around the source of true and authentic peace, and his name is Jesus. Now, here's the third step to peace. Number three, you want peace. Immerse in a community of peace seekers. Now, I'm not gonna beat this drum because I feel like a broken record every other week I'm saying this, but it's true. Listen, guys, we were designed to walk out our faith journey with other people, not alone. You know, you know why? We, we are a people who forget quickly, aren't we? 
We are a people that need reminding. We need people who on a consistent basis, whether it's weekly or biweekly or twice a month or whatever it is, we need people around us who can look us in the eyeball and say, hey, listen, I know it's hard. Trust Jesus anyway. He's got you. Don't be, don't be anxious. Listen, the, the Prince of Peace is still on his throne and he still rules and reigns in this universe. You can relax. You can lay your head down tonight and sleep like a baby because he's still in control. We need that. And there is a peace that comes in community of gospel reminding people who remind us of the truths that we need. And I cannot, listen guys, I cannot tell you how many times I've been sitting in a staff meeting right up here on Monday afternoons or an elders meeting or a community group, our community group, which is meeting in our home tonight. We're doing a taco bar. We're gonna talk about Advent. It's gonna be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. But I cannot tell you how many times in one of those Christian community settings, somebody has just spoken some gospel truth that my weary heart needed in that moment. And 90% of the time, they didn't even know my heart was weary. But they spoke some gospel truth and it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true, right? And I, and I can start preaching to my soul the same way that David does constantly in the Psalms and I start preaching to myself. So listen, stop worrying. Stop being anxious about that person or that situation or that circumstance. The peace of Christ is yours. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, still rules and reigns and sits on his throne. This stress doesn't belong to you. Lay it down. And those things happen all the time in the context of Christian community where other people are reminding me of gospel truths that my soul needs. And so three steps to real peace. One, examine your new birth status. Listen, I don't care how religious you are. I don't care how many times you've been in church. I don't care how many Bible verses you've memorized. You, just like Nicodemus, need a new birth. Without a new birth, you're never gonna experience a spiritual kingdom. So you've got to be born again. That's number one, all right? Um, let's see here. I lost my, piece, my, my place here. So examine your new birth status, pursue peace in the right place, and then immerse yourself in a community of peace seekers. Now, let me, let me close just by giving you very quickly a couple of action steps that I think you can take this week that'll help you achieve this kind of peace. These will all be on the screens for you. Here's number one, trust that Jesus is enough. Now, I don't know about you, but here, here's my tendency. My tendency can be to, to take the peace that God has given me and, and I, I kind of encounter a difficult circumstance or a stressful situation and I begin to take the peace of Christ off and I begin to pick up anxiety and worries that God never intended me to carry. And, and I, what I've had to come to realize is I do that so often because I have a little bit of a control freak tendency in my heart, man. And, and, and what, what that really reveals in my heart, I think is a lack of trust that Jesus is enough. And I think the truth of the matter is so many of us as Christians, we would say, we would articulate, yes, I believe that Jesus is enough. Intellectually, maybe we would believe that that's true, but most of us live by this motto, Jesus, I trust you, but let me help you out. <laughs> Don't we? That's how I live. Jesus, I trust you, let me help you out right? I got this stressful situation over here. I see this big boulder. I, I know you can carry it, but let, I, let, let me help you out, brother. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me help you out with this thing over here because I got a good idea of the way we can handle this. I got a really good idea of a way we can massage this situation and we can manipulate this circumstance so that it turns out the way that I want it to turn out. 
And so we say, Jesus, I trust that you're enough, but let me help you. And so let me just invite you, friend, this Christmas season, would you make a commitment to actually trust that Jesus is enough? Would you just make that commitment to say, yeah, Jesus, you, you are enough and you actually don't need my help. Here's action step number two. Would you surrender your circumstances to the Prince of Peace? Now, this one is really hard because here's what I know. Every single person in the room online right now, every single person in here has something that is less than ideal in your life right now. Am I right? Including me. Every single person has something in their life that is less than ideal right now. And so for some of you, I'm, I'm guessing it's probably a jacked up marriage. It's not really healthy and it's not what you hoped it'd be after five years or 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. For others of you, it's, it's work-related stress. If you're younger in high school, maybe college age, maybe it's school stress. For others of you, maybe it's financial stress. For some of you, man, like maybe it's all of the above. Like Chris, I got all those things. And that stuff is weighing your heart down and weighing your mind down. And here's the deal. So often we have very little control of our circumstances in life. And do you know that anxiety doesn't help any of it at all ever? Here's what does help. Simply coming to God and going, God, I surrender my marriage to you. I'm, try, I'm tired of trying to manipulate my spouse. I'm tired of trying to win the argument and be right all the time. You're the Prince of Peace. Would you fill me with your peace so that overflows into my marriage? So that, that peace overflows into the life of my spouse. God, I come to you and I, I just wanna surrender this broken relationship to you. Jesus, this financial issue, this burden, I, it's not mine to carry. I can't fix it anyway. This health issue, this health concern, man, I got no control over this at all. And so I'm giving it to the one who actually has the power to do something about it. God, I'm surrendering all of my circumstances to you. Now, here's what will begin to happen. If you make that a practice in your life, if you make this a rhythm in your life, slowly the anxiety that fills your heart will begin to filter out and the peace of Christ will begin to seep in. I want you to listen to the words of Jesus here on the screens for you, Matthew 11. Listen to this invitation this Christmas season. These are the words of Christ. He says this, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, would you surrender your circumstances to me? Would you give me your stress? Would you bring me your junk? I wanna take it from you and I wanna give you rest. I wanna give you shalom. I wanna give you real peace, lasting peace that can only be found in me. Here's the last action step, we'll be done. Number three, become a peace practitioner. Become a peace practitioner. Now, here's what I mean by that. When thoughts of anxiety begin to flood your mind, especially during the Christmas season, as they do for me, begin to replace those thoughts of anxiety with promises from God. There's this really amazing passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 where Paul says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I take that to mean that when anxious thoughts flood my mind and when they invade my heart, I, like David in the Psalms, I begin to preach truth to my own soul, right? So when the, 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 the enemy whispers those lies to me, I take those thoughts captive I call them for what they are, lies, and I begin to replace them with all these beautiful, 
biblical promises like we've just read. Like, man, I belong to the Prince of Peace. That his peace is my peace. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. He gives my soul rest when I'm weary. I wanna, I wanna finish, I wanna invite the band up. We're gonna finish with these words from Jesus in John 14. Listen to this. Let this be our motto as we walk out of this place this morning and we step into the hecticness that is Christmas season for almost all of us. Listen to the words of Jesus. This is a promise, by the way. If you know Jesus, you're a disciple of Jesus, you're following him, this is a promise. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives. It's not that kind of temporary peace we just talked about. This is a deeper seated peace that surpasses all of our circumstances. Not as the world do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Let me just encourage you to bow your heads with me for a moment. Close your eyes, whether you're in the room, whether you're watching online, let's just focus our minds. Focus our hearts. Let's meditate on truths from the word that we've just read. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts right now. Here's the reality, friend. We are living between the first and the second advent of Jesus Christ. We live in the already but not yet period of history where Jesus has already come to give us peace with our creator, to give us inner peace, but there's not yet global peace. And so we can, it's really easy to look at the world around us and see the pain and the devastation and the suffering and tornadoes that rip through Kentucky and viruses that sweep the world and genocide and murder and rape. And we hear all these things and it can feel really hopeless. It can rob us of our peace. We've got to be reminded that God has sent Jesus to restore our peace, first of all, with him. And that all the other stuff, the world peace, the global peace, that's going to come at the second coming. He is going to come and he's going to restore all of those things. That day is coming when cancer dies and death is done away with and sadness disappears and depression and injustice and all of that is eradicated forever and ever and ever. That day is coming. That's the second advent. We long for that day. We pray constantly, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But until that day, we remind each other and we preach to our own souls that we have a savior, the Prince of Peace who has come and we are no longer slaves to anxiety or fear. His peace is now our peace. Now listen, maybe you're here and you would just have to be honest and say, Chris, my life is riddled with fear. And it's riddled with anxiety. And I'm worried all the time. And I just wanna say to you this morning, maybe that's because you've never experienced that new birth that Jesus talked to Nicodemus about in John chapter three. And maybe for you, you've never made the Prince of Peace the king of your life. And I just wanna say, if that's you this morning, I wanna invite you to the table of grace today. Would you place your faith and your trust in the one who created you, the one who is pursuing you now, even in this moment, the one who offers and longs to give you real peace? If that's you, you'd have to say, Chris, man, I don't have this kind of peace. I don't think I've ever experienced this new birth that Jesus talked about, but I want it. I want to go all in with Jesus. If that's you, would you just pray a prayer like this right now in the silence of your own heart? Jesus, 
I'm so tired of trying to run this life my way. I would just have to confess, Lord, that, that I am a rebel, that I am a sinner. And I wanna come today to the true source of peace, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. The best way I know how, I just wanna turn from my sin. I wanna repent from my rebellion right now. And I wanna give my life to you. Jesus, would you, would you save me? Would you give me your Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me? And I wanna follow you the best that I can from this day until I breathe my last breath on this planet and step into eternity with you. And if you just prayed some prayer like that, let me just encourage you after this service is over in just a couple of minutes, would you come talk to somebody so that we can walk this journey with you? I'm gonna be up here. There's gonna be other prayer partners up here. If you're online, there are chat hosts. We'd love to talk with you about that decision to follow Jesus. Now listen, if you're already a follower of Christ in the room this morning, let me just ask you one question and we'll finish with this. What's disrupting your peace right now? What's that one thing that's disrupting your peace right now? Is it a job issue? Is it a relationship? Is it a financial issue? Is it a health issue? What is that one thing that is robbing you of the peace that Jesus came to give you this Christmas season? And here's the challenge. Would you lay it down today? Would you just open your hands before a perfect and loving and holy God and say, I surrender this to you, God. I give it to you. I give it to the one who offers peace to all who are weary, to all who are heavy laden, so that your peace becomes my peace this Christmas season. Let me pray for us and then we're gonna worship the Prince of Peace. God, we, we come to you and at least my confession, God, this morning would be that it's, it's so easy for me to take my eyes off the source of peace. And when I do that, I lose my peace so easy to turn on the news or scroll through social media and see the devastation and the suffering and the pain in this world and get so sidetracked, God. But thank you for the reminder through your word, by the power of your spirit, that you are the true source of peace, that you came, that we might have peace, that you are actually the Prince of Peace, that you've made it possible for us to have a restored, peaceful relationship with the Father. God, would, would you just help us to rejoice in that truth this Christmas season? God, would you remind us to find peace in the right place, the only place that we can find real, lasting, true, deep, shalom, peace is in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we ask and we pray all these things. Amen. Church, let's stand, let's worship.